online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome to Mimi Meets, the show that comes to you every week with a very special guest of mine. In fact, today I have two special guests, and the reason is because they are a husband and wife team. They have been into the studios before to talk um, on some of the other shows about their project, which we're going to talk about this morning. And the wife part of the team and I have known each other for a very long time because we were first elected onto the council together 20 years ago, which is absolutely amazing. I think you're going to have a really fabulous time while we sit and chat about the Chilterns and the Thames Valley and all the wonderful things that there are to see here. So my very special guests today are Dr. Helen Matthews and Dr. Neil Matthews. Welcome to the studios of Wickham Sound. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's very lovely to have you in. Helen, as I said, you and I, we go back a very long time. Yes, 20 years. <laughs> I will never forget that date when I was first elected. How about you? No, it was some, something of a shock, I think. <laughs> I think it was for me as well, because there were six candidates, I remember, in my ward. I was simply a housewife um, bringing up my two little babies, and I couldn't imagine why anybody would vote for me, but they did. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much the same. I wasn't expecting to, to get in, but... Yeah, there we were. Indeed, it was fun. It was really good fun. Well, you stayed for how long? Was it just one term I of was office? Just one term. One term. I what got t- my zebra crossing and my sports centre, and that was, <laughs> I thought I'd sort of quit on a high, really. Indeed, and, and you did. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. But you never fancied doing another term? No. No. <laughs> Previously to that, am I right in remembering that you worked at Wickham? I did, yeah. You did, didn't yeah, you? Six I just, years. Yeah, yeah, I was just sort of racking my brains there thinking, hmm, I'm sure you did. Yeah. That, so, yes. That kind of came in useful for the for the book, actually. Yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. So you had the background and the history. Yeah. Um, so, Neil, you and I met through Helen. <laughs> we did. It's all her fault. <laughs> so, in effect, yeah. we've really known each other 20 years as well. Yes. Yes, but, in, but not as frequently as Helen and not I met up. Not as often. No. Yes, indeed. So, Neil, what was your passion about what why were you inspired to to get involved with this and write this book well in one part of my life i'm a travel writer and there hasn't been a proper guide to the chilterns we think for at least 40 years and we've been in touch with brat who are a local publisher based in Chalfont, st peter and we've nagged them for ages to let us write about Buckinghamshire. And a few years ago, they introduced a series called Slow Travel, which is their way of providing guidebooks to different regions of Britain. Yeah. So we pitched the idea of the Chilterns and got there okay, as long as we included the Thames Valley, yeah. which we have done. And in turn, we persuaded them that it would be good to include the Vale of Aylesbury as well, so there's a bonus chapter about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we get Buckinghamshire in, basically. It's historic Buckinghamshire, uh, although Milton Keynes is not in there. Sorry, okay. Milton Keynes. No, that, that's fair enough. That's fair sorry, enough. Sorry, not sorry. Well, fair enough. Well, you've got to draw the line somewhere, <laughs> yeah, haven't you? Do. You do. And uh, there's got to be a boundary, and that seems quite a natural boundary. You do, and the thing is, um, with the best will in the world, nobody's likely to write an in-depth guide just to the Vale of Aylesbury. So it's a good thing to include. Indeed. I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's an absolutely gorgeous book. It's called The Chilterns and the Thames Valley. Um, and it's uh, where can people buy this, by the way? They can buy it online, um, either on the Brat site, bratguides.com, and Brat is B-R-A-D-T, mm-hmm. or on Amazon. 
and it is going to be in local bookshops so um bear in mind this is quite a big region so i know for example the chorleywood bookshop have got a few copies in there at the Mm -hmm. moment so Mm -hmm. hopefully it'll be in other places like waterstones and so on so you will see it if you like buying books the old-fashioned way indeed in a in a bookstore Um, and it's also available as an as an e-book i should point out as well okay brat is quite a sort of well-known um, guidebook publisher, so their guides are everywhere in sort of all good bookshops. Indeed. Well, all I will say is it's absolutely beautiful. Um, did you take the photos as well? Not all of them. They tended to go for an image library, but we were allowed to submit some, which they then would go through their sort of process of whether they were um, suitable for inclusion. So there are a few of ours in there. Because I think the photos are lovely. They are. There's They're about really 60 lovely. in all, I think. And... They're a good way of summarising very quickly some of the things that are really distinctive about this part of the world. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't not have a picture of a red kite, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course, um, it's iconic here now. And the picture on the front is a wonderfully eccentric historic house called Dorney Court, uh, which counts as being both in the Chilterns and Thames Valley. It's right. in that kind of crossover Area. Well, that was very clever then to have that so, one. <laughs> we had some debate about the front cover. It did. It was, it's, it's quite difficult to find an image that sums up the area in one, one image, but we think it do. It's historic, it's quite an eccentric property, it's very pretty, and all those things describe the area. Yes, and, and every single photo I've noticed is taken on a beautiful summer's day. So. <laughs> well, you know, for, for any lo- listeners who are used to southern california we can assure you the sun always shines <laughs> in um, even at night actually <laughs> i can see I mean, just at least ha- one spring picture in there. it just happens to be behind clouds sometimes <laughs> oh dear well i have to say it is an absolutely gorgeous book do you want to do you want to sort of highlight some of the 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 main sort of attractions for you in here Ooh, main attractions generally or things specifically around Wickham well you, you can do both I mean let's let's talk about Wickham as we're sitting yeah. in Wickham Sound let's go yeah. for that so some of the main attractions in Wickham that well, you that really sort of excited you when you wrote this you know Wickham is really unusual and it's got two fabulous National Trust properties that are very different right on the doorstep so you've got Hewenden Manor and you've got West Wickham Park and the West Wickham Caves as well so those are the two kind of big obvious ones but there's actually quite a lot of interest actually in Wickham Town there's Pan Mill and, you know, we went along to an open day when they were doing the grinding of the flour. I must have missed you. I was there doing live yeah. broadcast last year. Yeah, I think we went like, went in the afternoon and you'd done, it, you're done your oh, broadcast yes, earlier. Yes, I'd, yeah, I'd been, in, been and gone. Yeah. But, so there's interesting things like that. Yeah. And, you know, we discovered Crafting Wood where they, you get demonstrations of wood turning and you find out how long it would actually have taken a bodger to make a chair leg, which is fascinating. And you've got a special um, link with bodgers, haven't you? Yes, I had a great-grandfather who was a bodger. So tell us what a bodger is. It's a person who used to make chair legs. They used to work in the woodlands around Wickham and they used to turn these chair legs from the beech wood and these were amazing. then used to make the local, the local chairs. Yeah, amazing. Perhaps it amazing. only took about 30 seconds to make a chair leg once you were doing Wow, fantastic. Did we have enough woodland? <laughs> 
to suffice. Because yeah, of course, do. Wickham had that amazing yeah. reputation as being the furniture capital mm, yeah. of the of the of the country, really. Yeah, some great companies here like Urkel, etc., all came from this yeah. area initially. It's rather wonderful. So, apart from that, what else? What else have we got? So, what, what I mean, what is the whole point of this? So you've written this book. You've been round, and I know because I joined you on one of your um, expeditions. I think it was when we. I think we went to was it a Higger or something, and we had lunch there to see what it was all about. <laughs> Oh, the yurt. yes, the yurt. Oh, the yurt. Did I get it all wrong? Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, Wild Strawberry Cafe, which is absolutely wonderful. And it's really the sort of place that the Slow Guide series is all about. Because their whole ethos is about um, locally produced food. And you might have actually seen them getting some national press lately because they decided they were going to stop serving avocados because they were using so many. Right. And actually, I'm not a great avocado fan and I think their new menu this year that doesn't have the avocados <laughs> in is absolutely brilliant. Do you know, I don't mind avocados, but they make my throat yeah. itch, so maybe I'm allergic to them. <laughs> but, but they do, they serve all this sort of wonderful local produce and there's, there's a farm shop as well where you can buy, buy things and they've got to pick your own farm. But, you know, the yurt is just a great place, and it's kind of outside, it looks like a Central Asian yurt. Inside, it's got mismatched bone china crockery and nice chairs. Yeah, it was very charming, really, really charming. But the point of the book, I mean, the the point of slow travel is there are a lot of travel articles in the press and a lot of guidebooks that do this very formulaic thing of top five places for this, that, or the other, or how to see absolutely everything in 24 hours. This is not what slow travel is about. It's not necessarily about travelling slow. It's about taking the time to appreciate And take somewhere. everything in. And, and looking beyond the obvious. Yeah. And not just seeing the... the, 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 the. So there are some... Um, there are some world-famous sites in this book. You know, we couldn't not include Windsor Castle. Yes. But we happen to think the most fascinating bit of Windsor Castle is the Doll's House. Okay. Uh, which is almost 100 years old, and you can read about it in the book. But it is an extraordinary bit of social history. So that's what slow travel is about. Um, and in the widest sense, the book has, I think, about 100 places of war, uh, tourist attractions of different types... Um, it has some nature notes, which we should mention, yes. which were written by Tony Marshall of Presswood Nature. Uh -huh. And they talk about flora and fauna that are special to this part of the world. Uh, and Tony's enthusiasm absolutely pours off the page and they're, they're great items. So you've got that, you've got historic houses, you've got the market towns, which are a very distinctive part of the area so we haven't included any big cities mm -hmm. so no Milton Keynes no Oxford no Reading we did include Luton we did include Luton so there are three so th why were they the exception well the thing is there are three towns in the area Luton is in the Chilterns although most people don't know that yeah I wouldn't have thought it no it's in the northern Chilterns just as Hitchin is okay so the three main towns Luton Aylesbury and Wickham all have quite poor reputations don't they mm-hmm and this is an opportunity slightly to redress that okay and to give people reasons to visit them and to just make a bit of an effort to look beyond the obvious and uh you know there are plenty of things to see so in aylesbury for example as you know last year there was the unveiling of the very eccentric i think um sculpture of david bowie yes 
and the whole town was allegedly called uh, Aylesbury for just for a day. <laughs> we can quote the quote the song. Um, so there's things to see. You can have a little canal trip in central Aylesbury, which most people don't know. Indeed, I did not know that. Um, so you've got that about Aylesbury with Luton. You've got a couple of very good family days out by the side of the town centre. You've got Summer's Castle, which is the ruins of a 15th century manor house, which is opposite Luton Airport. Yeah, you can actually go, you can walk from the um, station car park, the Luton Parkway station car yes. park, to Summer's Castle in about half an hour and just have a look at, at the ruins. It's fascinating. And it's, it's a very tranquil place and it's very, very So what's pretty. the history of that? It was a fortified manor house in the 15th century mm-hmm. and it's gradually just fallen into disrepair so it's called a castle but it doesn't look like people's ideas of a a castle it would be better known as a uh, as a manor yeah this is where my inner history geek comes in because in the 15th century there was this whole change in domestic architecture so they were moving from defensive to comfortable so it was one of the first kind of houses that was actually built it was more of a house with proper rooms but it was it did still have defensive features and it was called a castle so it's no so we are it sounds fair enough yes. to me. <laughs> so we are, we are quite lucky in this region that we have a lot of extraordinary historic houses. Some of them are well-known because they're owned by the National Trust. Some of them are privately owned, such as, say, Stoner, which is a, a wonderful house near Henley, which has been in the same family for 850 years. Um, it's a very grown-up house to okay. go around. Um, I'm trying to think. Or uh, Nether Winchenden House, which is in the north of the of the area which is the most romantic wedding venue you can you can ever think of and again it's been it's privately owned you've written this wonderful book about the chilterns and the thames valley but what is your actual background helen what do you do um my day job i work at a university i work at ucl in london um the other thing i do is i did my phd in history and i actually have another book coming out in april which is about that yes indeed it's about illegitimate um children that's right <laughs> illegitimate children <laughs> of the gentry and nobility yes i have to be very careful how i say it on a you know before the watershed show indeed <laughs> why did you come up with that idea to write a book of that ilk well it was my thesis um, when I did my PhD and the reason I did it for my thesis was because I'm a bit of a geek for reading the footnotes and when I was doing my masters there was a footnote I read in a book by someone which was sort of referring to another footnote in a review of somebody else's book and it was basically along the lines of would my view that every 15th century gentleman in Derbyshire had a mistress and we'll call it illegitimate <laughs> children um, and the footnote that I was reading said well yes if the evidence in Sussex is anything to go by then the answer is yes and I thought this was a bit of an interesting challenge and so the person who was responsible for that footnote was then severely punished by having to be my PhD supervisor <laughs> while I had a sort of deeper look at it. Brilliant and Neil what about you what's your background because I've known you as, as somebody that's been involved in education. Well I'm a chartered marketer. What does so that mean? It means that I do marketing mostly for not-for-profit organisations so that has included uh, nine and a half years at what used to be called Amersham and Wickham College, mm-hmm. which is now Mitchell, part of the, Bucks the back College of the group. bus at this point. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, listeners, <laughs> we were respo- I was responsible for putting Mimi on the back of a bus. Indeed. 
and it suited her very well. For the first time in my life, I looked um, like the back of a bus. Part of, because Mimi is a former student at what was Amersham and Wickham College, and Indeed. we were looking for somebody to be the face of the college yes, for an advertising campaign. <laughs> campaign. And um, yes, I have, I have some, uh, some memories of the photo session, certainly, of oh, you yeah. in, a, in a very red trouser suit. It was a red trouser suit, yes. Uh, it was probably <laughs> visible from space. <laughs> but we put you on the back of buses and it was very successful. It was wonderful. I don't know what it did for the buses, but it was very successful for the college. Oh, that was really funny. I really enjoyed doing that, actually. I think the funniest thing was, because of course where I live, um, I will say this, the best the best Chinese restaurant around there is Ken's Beijing, which is on mm. um, Station Road. And um, there was uh, the, the railway bridge, and there was a poster up there. Now, someone went to an awful lot of trouble to get ladders and whatever <laughs> to put some spectacles and a nice <laughs> moustache on. Well, so. <laughs> I'm sure it's a form of flattery. <laughs> so with me, as I've never been seen before, that moustache was rather fabulous. It was very <laughs> sumptuous. <laughs> well, we have some very creative students. Oh. So perhaps it was them. It may well have been. As I say, somebody took an awful lot of time and trouble to get ladders and all the rest of it to get up there and do that. <laughs> so that's what I do. And, and as I say, in another part of my life, I'm a travel writer. So um, a few years ago, I wrote a book called Journeys from Wimbledon Common, which is based on the extremely silly idea of visiting all the places in the world from which the Wombles got their names. Indeed. So nobody has ever done that, but it did give me the chance, for example, to meet Elizabeth Beresford, who was the lady who created the Wombles, the mm -hmm. original writer, mm -hmm. and to go and see her in Alderney, and we went all over the place for that. So by comparison, this was a breeze, because being in Prestwood, yes. which is pretty well the centre of the Chilterns, yes. um, nowhere was more than an hour and a half away. Which so. is brilliant, isn't it? That makes it so much easier. But I remember, Helen, when we, we popped, Robin and I came round for lunch, I think it was mm. one day, you had all this, all the wombles everywhere. Yeah. You had um, Star Trek. Uh, was it Star Trek? No, it was Doctor Who. Yes. It's Doctor Who, isn't it, you're into? Yes. <laughs> Was that when we had the inflatable Dalek in the living room? I think you oh, did. Oh, yes, Derek. Yes, yes. yes. Derek, I think you did. The Dalek. Yes. Helen yes. got given yes. a Dalek by her colleagues for some inexplicable reason that when they looked at her, they thought about Daleks. And it was because <laughs> Isn't that they, strange? It was because they were really late in getting their marking in, so I put this sign on my office door saying that anyone who was kind of late or said I, here's your here's my marking i'm now off to a conference in the bahamas or something <laughs> would be exterminated <laughs> and then one day we're having a meeting in the head of department's office and somebody came in late and said did you know there's a dalek on the landing <laughs> so and naturally she said no but you hum it <laughs> and i'll play it so we went out and looked and there was this um nearly life-size inflatable dalek on the landing with sort of departmental manager for the use of and, can, uh, I, can I just point out, you said life-size Dalek. Yeah, sorry. They're, they're not real, dear. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just thought well, I, well, a large, we a large inflatable Just Dalek. in case any listeners out there are worried. Uh, they are real. They're, they're not. They're they not. are real. No, now, Mimi, I've explained this to you before. <laughs> they are real. <laughs> well, anyway, I had this inflatable Dalek in my office at work for quite a while, and sometimes the cleaners would knock him and the air would go out a bit, so I'd have these, you know, highly qualified professors <laughs> coming along and blowing my Dalek up again for me. <laughs> I hope you took bizarre. some pictures on your phone. I, I did take some pictures. Good. But then, then I um, 
I left that department and I had to take my Dalek home with me. So he was in the living room for quite a while. He's sitting in a cupboard now, I think. Yeah. yeah. De- all deflated now. Yes. Yeah, he is. He's, he's there with the Womble costume because we had a Womble costume. He feels really let down. Because <laughs> you love the Wombles, don't you? Yeah. Well, doesn't everyone? I well, do. I, I, well, I grew up in Surbiton, so it was just down the road from me, Wimbledon. But the thing is, we took a Womble with us on most of the trips... Um, so, for example, Bungo, who is the bossy Womble... He's the, bung- he's the he, um, Womble he's, that everybody forgets. He's the Womble everyone forgets. He's the Ringo star of the Wombles. And um, we took him to Japan because Bungo is named after an, an old area of Japan. And uh, Why? we went to... Well, I think Elizabeth Beresford just picked it out on a map. I mean, in some cases, she chose a name because of places that her family was associated with. So Tobamori is where her brother retired to, for right. example. But Bungo, I don't think there was any link other than she saw it on the map and it sounded like a good name. And um, we took Bungo along to a town called Kitakyushu on the main island, uh, and that is an eco-city. And we went round an environmental history museum with quite a serious scientist telling us all about things, and we produced Bungo, and his eyes lit up. It's because of how they. <laughs> it's because of how they look as well. Yes. But this is the thing about the Wombles. They were they were early environmentalists, all about recycling. If it you was can amazing. imagine, when you look back now, it's yeah. amazing, yeah. isn't it? The message they were teaching us. Yeah. And imagine, imagine all the bins that you recycle things into now. Yes. They didn't really exist in nineteen sixty-eight. No, they didn't. When the Wombles were first written about. Taking so good use of the things that you find. Yeah, 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 making good, yeah, that's yeah. it. So, things so, that the everyday folk leave behind, so, all yeah, their rubbish. They're still around, and I absolutely guarantee if you were to take a Womble with you, which I did actually to an academic conference about writing, it was one of my highlights, people sitting there listening to speakers, and they're used to very dry academic things, and this was an international audience from people from around the world, including some places that strangely haven't heard of the Wombles, and I produced Orinoco, and this audience of very hard-bitten academics all immediately went, ah. <laughs> everyone loves Orinoco, Aww. though, don't they? Yes, well, I think they everyone do. loves the Wombles. They do. So They um, reminded me of the doggies we had. We always had Shelties, and our Shelties always had those lovely, yeah. long, beautiful faces. Yeah, the snouts. Yeah, beautiful. Just like, lo- oh, don't... So, yeah, so, so that was quite a silly project, but, um, but fun. Um, yes, and I've nearly forgiven him for making me paddle the canoe up the Orinoco while he stayed on dry land <laughs> guarding <laughs> the camera from yes. absolutely nobody. Yes. yes, we should point out the Orinoco is in Venezuela. And it's it's really sad yeah. to see what's going on there mm, now. Mm. I mean, we weren't there as political observers or anything, but we were there ten years ago. Mm. And it's a lovely place to go. Nobody ever goes to Venezuela. But We've been. Ah. We've been. We you went we, before we, we did. We, we did, and we, we thought it was just stunning. We <laughs> loved it. And the people are terribly friendly. Yes. And, oh, that's and, wonderful. Um, it's just very, very sad, and we hope that whatever happens they get through what's going on over there now indeed it is sad and let's yes let's just hope that they get through that and they're back to normal again at some point soon because it's a beautiful part of the world to visit 
Yes. Indeed. Indeed it is. So coming back to your Chilterns and Thames Valley book, um, it's a wonderful travel guide you've written. It's, as you say, it's a slow travel guide. It's giving you the uh, opportunity, if you like, to see beyond what's right in your face and look behind the scenes and see what else is there. It's beautifully illustrated. So if anybody wants a copy, they can go on to the, did you say it was the Brat website? The Brat website yeah. or Amazon. Um or it will be in the local bookshops. Yes, which will be, and it, be, it really is lovely. And I think what I like about it, sort of flip, you know, just flicking through it, you've got, um, you mentioned the nature trails, but you also have other sort of bits of snippets of inf- in, interesting information in there. Um, you talk about some of the local celebrities. You talk about some of the things to look out for. You, look, you talk about some of the um, events that go on that are, are popular in that area. Um, but yes, you did, so, yeah. So obviously for Wickham, we do mention the... Um, mayor weighing, which of I think you, you know about. I know very well about it, yes. <laughs> well, the one, the one we went to, just to explain, to explain for anybody who doesn't know, that the, the mayor and I believe the other, his, sort of de- his or her deputy and other officials are, are weighed once a year, so when they come into office and when they leave office, to see if they have benefited from the public purse. And if they uh, have not put on weight... Uh, I believe the cry is, and no, no more. And, and yeah. no more, yes, uh, no more. And if they have put on weight, the cry is, and some and more. And some. <laughs> but the one we went to, some poor bloke had obviously had quite a good year <laughs> because the uh, cry announced, and a lot, lot more, <laughs> which I thought was... A very effective form of public <laughs> yeah. humiliation. Oh dear, I have been weighed myself as a guest yeah. and um, I have to say when I was summoned up to be weighed I, I was very, very <laughs> frightened. I think, I think the, only thing, the only thing to be really worried about is if they say one at a time please. <laughs> so, um, so yes, there's all that sort of thing. But it's, I tell you, it's fascinating. I must just tell you another little yeah. snippet about that, watching people being weighed in yeah. and all the rest of it. They, um, when, you, when you see the shenanigans that go on so but for the weighing out ceremony um taking off as much as you yeah. can wearing the lightest possible robes making sure you've got no change in your pocket yeah. you know don't take your handbag up with you take your jewelry off you take your <laughs> shoes off <laughs> and that's just the men <laughs> so yes there's all there's all that sort of thing and there's something in there for example about swan upping which is a, a thames tradition yes um explain what that is please for those of us that don't know well, it's it's basically something that goes on to make... Because the swans all used to belong to his or her majesty, the king or queen, and it goes on along the Thames each summer now to check the health of the swans. Uh, uh, it's this this group yeah. of people in very brightly coloured jackets, and it's, it's a spectacle. But it's much more kind of welfare-based than perhaps it might have been four or five hundred years ago mm-hmm. when swan mm-hmm. was eaten yes. as a delicacy by yes. people of, of rank. Uh, so you've got that. There's a lot of hill forts. The Chilterns is very well known for having, I think, 20 or more hill forts. Right. So okay. there's a bit about that. There's a bit about the various types of mill. Fascinating. Um, that you can find. Um, the area is very rich in famous writers. So, for example, if you were just to go to Beaconsfield, you can very easily find evidence of G.K. Chesterton and Enid Blyton and perhaps most interestingly for Wiccan people, Terry Pratchett, um, who used to work for the Bucks Free Press. Did he now? Do you know, I never knew that. Um, and there's a plaque on Beaconsfield Library because he used to go there. So there's all, sort, there's all sorts of things. Uh, one 
um, extreme of the area, you've got Stoke Poges, um, where Thomas Gray wrote his elegy in a country churchyard. There's West Street in Marlow, where T.S. Eliot lived for a while, and where Percy and Mary Shelley lived for a year. Uh, they basically they all lived on the same street, albeit a hundred years apart. There's about we come across, I think, about thirty different very well-known writers. Obviously, Jerome K. Jerome for the Thames Valley. Jerome K. Jerome and Kenneth Graham for Wind in the Willows, who lived in Pangbourne. Uh, so there's huge numbers of writers and, and some artists as well. Of course, so, Roald Dahl. And Roald, Roald Dahl. Dahl and, yes, the obvious one. On Roald Dahl yes. and Greg yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it is quite interesting because with, with Enid Blyton, you've got the impression, certainly we've lived in the area for almost 30 years and you get the impression that for quite a long time oh, Beaconsfield was and, and you've lived your I was going to say Helen I think you've been here a bit longer haven't <laughs> you? I yeah. was born in the workhouse in Amersham <laughs> What used to be the workhouse? Yes, yes it wasn't the workhouse <laughs> now, when I was born the there but it was built but, for the workhouse But what I was going to say was that, that, that I think for a long time Beaconsfield was faintly embarrassed about Enid Blyton Why? I don't know why either I think it's a form of snobbery about her writing and the fact that perhaps it's not quite so politically correct as it might be. Oh, she was wonderful. Yeah. I grew up on Enid Blyton. Oh, lots books. of people, lots of people did. But yeah. now, if you go, for example, to Beaconscourt, you can find a replica of her house with Noddy's car. With Noddy's car. How lovely! Do you know? You mentioned Beaconscourt. We must go to a break, but very quickly. You mentioned Beaconscourt. I did ask them if they would put a figure of me in there, as, <laughs> <laughs> as a visiting mayor, of course. <laughs> Well, Not a nightmare. <laughs> well, the, the trouble is that they took a decision a few years ago that they were going to set everything in the 1930s. Uh-huh. So you would have to be a uh-huh. lot older. Oh, well, that's, that's a relief. I thought yeah. it was personal. No. Nope. <laughs> One of the things we touched on very briefly, um, food. Yes. (laughs) You have also eaten uh, your way around the Chilterns. Yeah, I really need to go on a diet now because we've been to so many great places to eat. (laughs) So there are are two aspects that we haven't mentioned which kind of balance each other out. Mm -hmm. Um, The book includes about a dozen suggestions for walks. Yeah, okay. Um, but that's good. And, they go yeah. they go together then, and don't they? And quite often those walks either begin or end at pubs. Yeah. Um, because it's the nature of the place. So, for example, one of the... I think one of our favourites is probably uh, the Fox and Hounds in um, Watlington, Christmas yep. Common. And there are some lovely... There's any number of lovely walks you can do around there. But there are some... I think about 85 reviews in the book of different either cafes, tea rooms, pubs and sometimes posh restaurants. Uh, The village of Bray, for example, has two restaurants which are three Michelin starred, one of them being the Waterside Inn, the Rue property, and the other one being the Fat Duck, Heston Blumenthal's famous property. So, um, So Bray is a bit of a gourmand's place. But I we... nearly ate there. I nearly mm. ate there after my investiture, but I had such a dreadful migraine, I didn't, couldn't. I mm. just couldn't face food. <laughs> no. we, we didn't do the fat duck. We did go to the Waterside Inn, though. Yes. Special birthday. Yes. Yes. So, nice. so we're, we're, we're conscious that people have all different budgets and all different pockets or whatever, but yes. we, we also think that there are plenty of um, pubs, for example, when the last proper Chilton's Guidebook came out in 1977, I think, I don't think it's exaggerating to say people didn't tend to eat out as much as they do now. Yes. And pubs were places to go drinking. Yes. But that's completely changed now. And of course, and that's the drink-driving laws yeah. changed a lot of that, didn't yeah. they? But I think it's also people's 
people's perhaps standards of what they'd like to eat have gone up. Gone up, absolutely. And people have become a bit more cosmopolitan. Absolutely. Um, so there's all sorts of um, great places that you can go either just for a lunch or for a cup of tea or for a full meal. And we've tried so to So what's your favourite? Come on, what's your oh. favourite? Oh, that's really, really difficult. And it's really invidious, isn't it? Yes. OK, what's um, your favourite pub lunch? Ooh. They're looking at each other, um. ladies and gents. <laughs> it's really difficult. They don't know. <laughs> it's seriously difficult to pick. There's too many good I mean, ones. I, I can tell you about... We mentioned T.S. Eliot, aren't Yes. You? His old house is now a restaurant called The Vanilla Pod in Marlow, the mm -hmm. top end of Marlow. Mm -hmm. And that offers a very, very good tasting menu for anyone who's looking for something a bit different. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as pubs go... Well, we've got the Black Horse quite near us in Great Missenden, yes. which is, if you're looking for a traditional Sunday roast or something like that, mm -hmm. that's terrifically good. Mm -hmm. Probably the best thing I've eaten at a pub was actually out at the Crooked, Crooked Billet near Stoke Road. Oh, yes. And the coconut rice pudding. Um, you know, I wanted to move in with that. It was just so gorgeous. Wow. Neil, I'm not really a person, but that was just... <laughs> no, no, I was going to be moving in yeah. with it as well. <laughs> but but I think people are very lucky if they, if they just want to, to look. And sometimes it isn't pubs. So, for example, this evening, fingers crossed that it all happens, we're going to Friston Vineyard okay. near Berkhamsted. Mm. Um, is this for, for the next book? No, no, this is <laughs> for no, pleasure. This is, this this is, is just for us. <laughs> but Friston is in there. It's a lovely yeah. place, but it also does food, and and quite a lot of these visitor attractions, not just pubs, but quite a lot of visitor attractions now have very good cafes. So one of them I would pick out, for example, is the Green Dragon Eco Centre in the north of the county, which is really a kids' day out with lots of animals and biking and go karting and that sort of thing. But it has a couple of very nice cafes mm. and uh, the other thing about this region is if you are for example a national trust member there are so many national trust properties to go to mm. and they all have perfectly nice cafes it's it's, yes. it's yeah. like almost an essential part of a visitor attraction now, yes. that it needs to be somewhere it's a destination, isn't it? It's, it's a destination. And, and they want you to stay for longer yeah. than yes. whatever the initial purpose yes, and is. Yes, and, and spend so, money and so keep them sustainable. Another example would be the Rex in Berkhamsted, this mm -hmm. wonderful Art Deco cinema which has been it's restored. It's wonderful, yeah. It's really beautiful. It and is they gorgeous. And they show an unusual selection of films, but they have a rather nice cafe and restaurant yes to to help i'm still waiting to to for somebody robin to take me <laughs> to go and see a film and can you still eat downstairs oh yes you can still do that i want i want to do that i and want that experience and that's the whole point because one of the things that people sometimes complain about with cinemas mm. is the noise of people Eating. crunching their popcorn yes. or whatever and there's absolutely no need to do that at the Rex. you can have your meal or yes. whatever and you, I think you can take your drink in with you, but that's absolutely fine. Yeah, and Robin, Robin, are you civilized. listening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's nice farm shops as well with cafes. I mean, Orchard View near Prince's Risborough, they mm -hmm. do really lovely lunches there as well. So there's all that sort of thing. And, and um, the walks are, in this book, are not too difficult because, as you know, the Chilterns are not especially steep. There are, are steep, not? there are steep bits, not compared <laughs> with, uh, near, say, the Peak District. Hill, there's a very steep I was going to say, uh, my experience has always been a little bit mm, steep. There, there are bits, <laughs> are, but we think they're kind of steep enough for either walkers and cyclists mm -hmm. 
to have a challenge yes. but they're not terrifically steep uh-huh. and you don't have to go very far more than a minute or two wherever you are to find somewhere really pretty uh, so that's, that's the beauty of the area we yes, live in, yeah. isn't it? There's always yes. somewhere gorgeous to go to within a very, very short period of time. It doesn't take long, mm. does it, to find yeah. a, a gorgeous place? But I think what's fascinating is, as I said, it's just the, the variety of information because it's not just a travel guide. It talks about mm. the local culture, the local history. It talks about the people. It talks about the mm. food. It talks about the nature and, and anything yeah. that's indigenous to that area. And, and it gives you a whole variety of things that you can actually start to you know literally dig behind the scenes and find which is wonderful well the other aspect that perhaps we should mention is because this is an area quite close to london there are some very prestigious places of power so you've got checkers which mm-hmm. you can walk around even if you can't even if we can't all know, go to this in. day i've still never even seen it well it's quite oh. easy to walk around yeah and it's if you go for there's a walk in the book where you start at Coombe Hill and you go down and round and across the driveway of the Chequers estate and you mm-hmm. can, you get very good views of Chequers. Oh, I must try you that must in the summer. But the other thing is, there's a nice little the, farm shop you can sort of stock yes. up on stuff and you can have a nice cup yes. of tea on the way as well. Oh, very but, but, nice. But more end farm yeah. shop. But as well as all these places of power, the area is very well known for a history of dissent and resistance. And without going into any of them in detail, um, for example, you've got the Amersham Martyrs yes. and the Lollards. Yes. yes. You've got the Quakers. Um, you've got John Bunyan, who used to go preaching in the very, very northern tip of the Chilterns near Sharpenhoe Clappers. Who else have we got? Um, John Hamden. John Hamden. Which has many places named yes. after him. And also there are the slightly lesser-known people. So if you were to go to All Saints Church in Marlow, there's a memorial to an MP called Sir Miles Hobart, mm-hmm. who nobody's ever heard of. But what Sir Miles Hobart did was that in a parliamentary debate in 1629, uh, at which there was some criticism of the king's policies, he basically locked the doors so that MPs could not leave, so that the motion criticising Charles I got passed. So that was a, a key part of the slide into the Civil War and he is now seen as a parliamentary hero mm. but a lesser known one. So that's worth looking Statue. for if you go into <laughs> well they paid I think about £15,000 or something which was a or maybe that's an ex- I can't remember what the figure was but the Parliament donated a lot of money for a memorial to him in, in the church. But yes you've got John Hamden you've got the Hamden Monument near where we live um, and there are plenty of places around the world that are named after John Hamden now in acknowledgement of his contribution to the cause of democracy. So, uh, as well as being a place of power, as I say, there's this thread running through the Chilterns and Thames Valley history of resistance and protest and opposition which, as historians, we find really interesting and we hope readers do too. Indeed. Question for you. Um, all these um, places to visit, I mean, budget-wise, what does, what, you know, what does it take? Because I'm thinking particularly of the number of people that are saying that, you know, times of austerity, we can't afford to do anything. But if you went and got this book, my goodness me, the wealth of activities on your doorstep that you could just go and enjoy without having to go too far and spend a fortune, I'm hoping... Yeah, I mean, admission prices vary, but 
there's a lot of the things in the book are actually national trusts. So if you're a member of the national trust, you can get a lot of use out of that. I've got a friend who lives in Chesham, and she says, you know, national trust membership is great because she can take the kids to Cliveden, for example, and they love it. It's beautiful there. But also some of it, and again, this comes back to slow travel, mm -hmm. some of it is, is free. You know, mm -hmm. walking. Yes, yes, of course. Is free. Of course. Uh, the thing we mentioned earlier, Summer is Castle and Luton. It's about half an hour's walk, but it's quite a nice walk. Nobody... Um, no runways in between. No runways. <laughs> nobody... You won't really see anyone on your way there or back. You might hear a few planes. You might hear a few planes. <laughs> but another walk that's there, which uh, is a rather nice walk, is from the village of uh, Medmanham. And it goes round in a circle, and you end up walking by the Thames with sheep and geese for company... And very few human beings. Mm. And yet you are right next to this mighty river. Yes. So it's just about making a little bit of effort and you don't have to spend lots of money. Which is, which is great. Yeah. And there are a lot of places that are free as well. I mean, two of the things we found in Luton, there's Stockwood Discovery Centre, which was the grounds of a former sort of great house and estate, the house is gone, but they've got model gardens and they've got playground for children, but they've also got this wonderful exhibition of carriages and cars and things. So there's a mm. there's everything from a yeah. um you know, Indian painted lorry from yes. the sort of modern thing yes. to there's a carriage that was used in Carry On Cowboy, stagecoach. <laughs> there's all sorts of wonderful so stuff. So this is there. all to do with the motor history of yeah. of Luton. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, and that is free and so is I think Wardown House is the other one in, in Luton. So we hope that people can use this book as a guide and if they are on a tight budget, we hope that won't be a problem. And again, some of the pubs and cafes in there are very much what we call pit stops. Yes, where yes. you might have you know, a cup of tea or a piece of cake or something like that. But if, this is quite an expensive part of the world in many ways. It is. But it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be if you just make a bit of effort. Yes. Do you know what? Our hour is up. I knew we'd have this problem. There's been so much to talk about. Um, there's literally been so much, and we've missed out so many. I mean, yeah. Helen, I wanted to talk about your wonderful orchard. I remember you sort of creating with the old varieties of apple. I remember that being replanted and, and nurtured. Oh, yeah, I just want to find out how that's going. Yeah, that's a Prestwood nature project. Mm. So there's this um, conservation group in Prestwood, which... I helped to set up a very long time ago and I haven't actually had that much to do with it since because I've been busy on other projects. Yes. But that's how I met Tony Marshall who did our no nature notes. Right. But yes, we've got our community orchard and actually the trees are getting quite mature now. They some must of them. be because it was a while and ago. I meant to ask you about that. Yeah, yes. The Presswood Nature AGM last year, we actually had apple juice from our apples oh, in our orchard. Oh, how lovely. The, the ladies who were doing the catering That's provided. amazing. And so that's that the beauty great. of this area, isn't yeah. it? You um, have a, can we just mention there, yes. there are other things that hopefully will be resurrected a bit so there's a, a a project that's just been funded for the next five years called i think chalk cherries and chairs mm -hmm. to try to uh, increase understanding of how those aspects contributed to local history mm -hmm. and there is some work that's going to be done to restore the old cherry orchards wow which i love cherries yeah. disappeared i love cherries so, i adore cherries one of my favorite fruits so so we think Obviously, that's a good way of bringing back a bit of history and adding a bit of interest, not just to visitors to the region, but to people who live here and Indeed. don't necessarily understand Absolutely. what 
this region used to be like. Well, it's a fantastic book. Thank you very much indeed, both of you, for coming in and sharing your journey with us, your expertise with us, all your findings with us. It really is beautiful. So if they want the book again, where can people get it from? Either bratguides.com, B-R-A-D-T-G-U-I-D-E-S dot com, or on Amazon or in a bookshop near you. Wonderful. It really is lovely. It's lovely. It really is lovely. It's a wealth of information and knowledge about the area that we live in. So thank you very much for putting the time in to to get put this together for us because it's a little treasure. It really is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to have you in the studios today. Um, Your final song choice, please. Well, I think we should probably choose somebody else linked with Wickham. So the last song is Howard Jones, Like to Get to Know You Well. Brilliant. What a great song to go out on as well. Wonderful. Again, thank you very much indeed, Dr. Helen Matthews, Dr. Neil Matthews, for coming in and talking about your amazing book, The Chilterns and the Thames Valley, a comprehensive guide to not just the places, but the things that make the places tick. It's been absolutely joyful listening to your experiences and I feel like I've travelled so much today (laughs) I really do and I can't wait to get out there and actually have a look at some of these places myself and I hope it inspires our listeners to go out there and just enjoy the beauty and the richness of the history that is on your doorstep so thank you very much again thank you for listening you've been listening to Mimi Harker this is Mimi Meets you've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound to find out more head to wickhamsound.org.uk